0: Producers without a clue Seriously?
1: That's what they call animation nowadays?
0: How do you even sell a show? What the
1: hell is a production packet?
0: Oh well, yeah, it's going to be animated It's going to be real cool
1: Wait, who's animating this thing? You've
0: got to believe in your own ideas Everyone is
1: pitching ideas
0: What do you have to join the Illuminati? We just
1: have to do it our way
0: Animation has warped my sense of reality. I
1: didn't tell him to draw that. (laughs) Oh, it's all about the demographic. Oh, is this the uh is this the animatic that you sent me before with the with the, the with the pirate coming down and dropping the treasure map?
0: Um I I think what I just sent you is only the animated intro, but maybe I'm wrong and maybe it is it's got the animated intro in full color at the beginning. And then the rest is animatic, maybe?
1: Okay, let me take a look.
0: Because I do have a clip like that.
1: Okay. It's opening up. Oh, yeah, I've not seen anything in color yet. Bimsy, bimsy and the steam. Mimsy, Mimsy and Dusty, learn and laugh, laugh and play, we can get together every single day, Mimsy, Mimsy and Dusty, Mimsy, Mimsy and Dusty, (laughs) Mimsy, Mimsy and Dusty. Okay. Hello, Mimsy. Hello, Dusty.
0: Oh, I sent you the two-minute pilot I did. Yeah, I. Oh.
1: you and Dusty have letters. Do you know what a letter is for? <laughs> Silly Dusty, letters are not for snacking. They're for making words. Who's the narrator? Would you like to learn a song?
0: My old English teacher is also a stage actor. Uh, his name is John Frank. I interviewed him on the podcast. He was episode uh, somewhere around four or five, I think.
1: Okay. Now we know our
0: ABCs. Thanks to and
1: Would you like to do that again? <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, N, T, U, D, W, X, N, Y, and Z. Now we know
0: our ABCs, thanks to Lindsay and Dusty. Dusty.
1: Very cute.
0: Uh, thanks uh yeah so it's it's for preschool obviously which is way younger demographic than uh chucky chicken but you got to start them off somewhere right
1: yeah absolutely and what better way to start them off with uh cute little bunnies
0: yeah so initially mimsy and dusty was meant to be a 2d animated property and i kind of thought originally i would do it for YouTube. Now, when I came up with the idea, I was just coming off a contract with a YouTube studio out of Montreal that had hired me and another buddy I worked at Disney with to make um, preschool videos mm-hmm. for them, animated preschool videos, very simple animation. We weren't going to win any awards off it, but one of our videos was one of the very first baby sharks. Uh, videos to ever be created. So we sort of contributed to that annoyance. Well, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, what I'll do, uh, I'll edit in right here. I'll put some, uh, what my character designs were uh, for that video at the time. But uh, yeah, over the years, it obviously has taken on many, many types of styles and forms but yeah we were coming off that contract and I got thinking to myself um because it was a period of my life where I was I was shot I was just burnt out um I had done the the studio grind in Vancouver for both feature film and television and I was burnt out to the point where I was having panic attacks uh on a daily basis, just at the thought of the workload I had to get through, um, my, my hands were all seizing up on me, literally like like claw hands. And I have to wear special braces and I couldn't use them for six to eight weeks at a time when, when it would happen. Wow. Um, so I, I sort of got thinking, uh, well, maybe maybe I'll do my own YouTube thing for preschool and uh, with my own property. So that's that's what Mimsy and Dusty was originally intended for. And then what happened was I met a music producer out of Florida who has shown interest in Mimsy and Dusty. And uh, I, last time we spoke, he was still interested, but he was waiting for the 11-minute pilot Uh, animatic to be completed before committing to uh, showing it to his contacts and agents and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, His advice was, well, why not, why not turn it into an 11 minute episodic uh, adventure type thing for preschool kids? Um, Sort of like Dora the Explorer or, um, you know, shows like that, in that vein, where, where the kids go on a journey and they learn something along the way. And so I thought, well, for Mimsy and Dusty, we'll learn the fundamental things that parents teach their kids, which are, you know, be kind, sharing is good. Uh, it's okay to feel things. Actually, the stuff Mr. Rogers talked about on every single episode. Nice. Um, because... You know you're obviously your characters are gonna gonna have to go through things where they're happy and mad and sad and glad and yeah uh, they're gonna come come across obstacles where they just when they look at them, they feel they they don't have a chance of overcoming them and uh, and I thought, well, the audience needs to cheer them on, right. And that that's when I came up with the idea of having a narrator. So the narrator is our ambassador into their land of what I call pretensie. So anything happens there. there. There's no... You could never draw a map of pretensie because it changes according to the, the whimsical imagination of the day. Uh, yeah. So there are certain constants which are their house and a basic a basic border around their house where the things are always sort of the same. But much like Winnie the Pooh's world, you know, it's it's sort of this wide openness of whatever whatever needs to be right right? for for that episode.
1: You know where Winnie the Pooh lives, but you just don't yeah. know where on the Hundred Acre Wood he lives. Like compared to where Owl lives, <coughs> Piglet lives, exactly. Or where, you know Tigger's house is, or where rabbits is. So, I mean, it's a huge That's Hundred right. Acre Wood. So, I like
0: that. Yeah, yeah. So you know there there are such things like Bubble Bath Swamp, um, the land of floating beds, where there's these beds of all shapes and sizes that just float among the tops of mountains and the clouds and they can bounce their way across and um and i took one right out of bugs bunny which is the remember the episode with uh the bugs bunny lives in a land of giants and the carrots are like 40 stories tall and he's mining them remember yeah. that episode yeah so there's there's an episode like that where there's like uh, giant caves with treats that, that grow it. It's like a mine but it's full of treats and everything inside and That's magical glowing mushrooms and that type of thing. Um, so basically everything in the world is whimsical like Alice in Wonderland. The vegetation is um, there as a backdrop but also as a, a supporting character kind of thing or supporting prop. And um, and it's you know it's just it's just going to be a fun way of sneaking education in through some adventure and and you know a little bit of humor hopefully i got to get a writer that understands the humor of little kids
1: well i know a guy maybe i can uh oh yeah yeah
0: beauty that sounds good <laughs> that sounds great but yeah that That little two-minute pilot I just showed you was probably, well, a couple months of effort um, on my part. And I did the whole thing in Flash and, uh, you know, got very excited about it. And then when I finished it, uh, that sort of is when preschool YouTube channel overload happened. And so I just sat on it. I, I didn't even I didn't even really try because it was such an oversaturated market on YouTube um, and the amount of work to put into it, it got me so discouraged and I sort of put my tail between my legs and
1: oh.
0: yeah, so
1: that's not good to get discouraged.
0: Well, I I mean, it happens, though, um, because when when you've got your nose down and you're working really, really hard on something and then you look up to see how the world has changed while you've been focused, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you come up and you realize, oh, the timing's not right or how I intended to put it out there is not the right way. Right, and that—that's really more of what I thought. It, it wasn't that I had wasted my time. It was just I did. I no longer felt that YouTube was the right way to go, and um, so I'd been sitting on it. And I took uh, my buddy's advice, the producer from Florida. I took his advice, and in that downtime, started working away at the 11-minute pilot. Some of it I've shown to you with uh, secondary characters like Captain Boom Bam, who has a giant uh, pirate ship that floats in the sky. And it's, his cannons shoot off fireworks all the time, it, like nothing violent. Just, the only thing they shoot is fireworks and confetti. Nice. Boom! And his name's Captain Boom Bam. And he is beloved because every time they see Captain Boom Bam, he has a treasure map for right. them. Which is an adventure, which for kids of that age, who get bored super quick, every episode starts off they are bored out of their mind. Like as we the audience come into Pretensee, to uh, and the narrator greets them, "Hi Mimsy, hi Dusty, how are you today?" There will be some reason why they're just so so. They're they're not, you know, they're they're just they. It's almost like well. We're not having fun until you guys show up. Right. You know? So yeah. You made the kids so th- do too. yeah. Yeah. So that that's basically that. And I've done a I've done a coloring book for them. Uh, I'll have to send you that. I'll edit in some of the pages here for the uh, listeners to hear. Oh, but yeah, that that's basically for for this first episode of producers without a clue that is what i'm going to be working on which is mimsy and dusty uh, preschool property adventure uh, property for preschoolers and yeah that's basically how it came to be bravo yeah
1: <laughs> yay mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's so, the time we have for today folks
0: <laughs> yeah Sorry, long winded. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no,
1: I'm just teasing you. Oh
0: my god! You're gonna make me cry.
1: Don't cry. I'll
0: cry if I want to. Uh,
1: it's your party. I mean, it's your it's show. It's my
0: party. It's All day, show. my party. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right, well, on yeah, this I'll
0: side, watch. on this side of 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 Skype, my party.
1: <laughs>
0: you do what you want over there. <laughs> um, so. So yeah, that that's my spiel, my show and tell. But uh, let's get into your show and tell. You're going on a, an adventure with your own animated properties. So let's tell them about that.
1: Oh my goodness! Well, uh, for those of you who uh, don't know who I am, and uh, for those of you who don't, shame on you. Uh, just kidding. Uh, my name is. Yeah, Michael- the
0: billboards are out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're they're out there I mean I, I don't blame them but I've been uh, my name is Mike Cook I, I've been uh, on YouTube now going on probably 12 years um, doing everything from comic variety shows to podcasts to animation um, but I really my heart is definitely into the animated projects I um, and the one that I'm going to be working on is Chucky e. Chicken Um, And Chuck E. Chicken is a wonderful comedy uh, show uh, that is, of course, geared towards um, kids anywhere between 8 and 12, but also it's more of a family show. It definitely is, um, you know, geared towards everyone, um, mainly because of the style of the show that it's in. Our cartoons are going to be uh, anywhere between uh, 5 to 7 minutes long, um, and they are throwback cartoons to what folks saw in the theaters during the 1930s and what I grew up with <laughs> in the 1990s. Um, the best kind of way that I can, exp- uh, I can explain it, it's kind of like um, Felix the Cat, or tw- uh, Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat from the 90s, Animaniacs, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, uh, and of course, mixed in with good old-fashioned shows like Popeye and Betty Boop and... Um, you know, a uh, classic Mickey Mouse, and, of course, um, my favorite character, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. So the whole premise of the the series is that Chucky e. Chicken and his friends uh, basically are telling stories uh, through comedy and through laughter. I mean, there's different situations that happen every short. Um, there is no real overarching world anymore. There was for a, for, the t- for a very long time. Um, you know I when I first created the character he was a black and white little guy. He um, you know lived on the old barn <laughs> and the old barnyard and uh, he legit lived in, a, in his own little barn um, and then we moved him over to the Tommy Turkey apartment uh, uh, apartment complex uh, where um, you know he lived uh, with uh, his girlfriend Chelsea next door and her mama in the door. there was really only three doors to that uh, barn uh, and we just were.
0: did you to- ever show the adult
1: have i ever what? like
0: uh, shown the adult like you mentioned chelsea and her mama do you ever show the mama like or is it more like um uh, like uh, muppet babies where you just oh, see the yeah. lower no. no, no. We, we did we
1: we the, yeah. we actually wrote a whole episode called um oh my gosh uh what was it called um It went by the original name of Foul Play, but then I changed it to, oh, The Sly Pie is what it was. And that cartoon basically was all about uh, Chucky uh, basically trying to ask Chelsea to go to the county fair, um, but her mama uh, was working on a prize-winning apple pie that Freddie Fox stole. And uh, the whole reason why he was trying to... it, It was very convoluted and very early, early, early stages of the, the short, uh, of, of, the, of the show. Uh, but essentially, he was trying to win the county fair to get the prize money to buy the farm so that way he could basically kill and eat everybody who lived on the farm. So it was very different than uh, the Chucky E. Chicken uh, show that we all love today. Uh, but it, it took a number of years. You know, we gave him a splash of color, uh, we gave him voices. Um, we changed things. We, there was a period of time where we built this city for Chucky and his friends called Featherton USA. And that was going to be a hybrid of Toontown from Disneyland mixed in with uh, farm buildings like silos and, and you know, coops and chicken wire and uh, windmills and, you know, uh, gray- grain tanks and uh, water towers and, you know, barns and farmhouses. Um, mm. and we were working really hard on that, believe it or not. Um, and we were all geared up to, to get that going. But even then, um, it was still difficult because I wanted to tell more stories and I didn't want Chucky to be stuck in this world, you know, I didn't want him, you know, I wanted him to be able to go and to travel and to do the the cartoony antics that I grew up, you know, with Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse or Popeye, or, you know, the cool thing about those cartoons was they never stood still. They went, they traveled, they met up with different bad guys, you know. Um, Bugs Bunny on the daily is constantly trying to get to Pismo Beach, does yeah. take that left turn and Albuquerque, and he ends up in Spain finding a bull. Such a
0: classic! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my um, favorite episode. By the way, yeah, when he slaps the bull and goes, "Stop steaming up my tail," oh, or yeah. you know, oh, yeah, I I love that stuff. And you know, the trick to to a lot of cartoons, regardless of the age you're going for, is if you can make the adults laugh, then. Mm-hmm. For some reason, uh, the the kids buy into it better.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. And that's part of the reason for the visual style of the cartoon as well. I know a lot yeah. of these kids, unfortunately, have not grown up with classic Mickey Mouse or classic Looney Tunes. Uh, thank God, though, for Disney Plus and for HBO Max and Hulu and Amazon because... Um, and, and, of course, all the numerous collections of DVDs out there over the years. Um, you know, and... It's funny because um, I just found this out super recently. Um, Some of these cartoons that we still have today, for example, the entirety of the Popeye the Sailor um, library from 1933 to the last uh, theatrical short from 1957 or 1956. Um, when When they first made those cartoons and they got the contract for that, because Popeye himself is actually owned... Um, Not by Paramount. Uh, He wasn't even a cartoon character. He was a newspaper comic. Uh, And he was owned by uh, King Feature Syndicate, which was part of the Hearst Corporation. And William Randolph Hearst, of course, um, was approached by Max Fleischer, who's the creator of Betty Boop and Coco the Clown and all these really great shorts from the 30s. And, And he was approached in 1932 by Max Fleischer, saying, you know, I love Popeye. I want to make him an animated star you know he the potential i mean even then uh fleischer knew how special popeye was and what he could do in the animation world but hurst didn't agree so he basically made him uh do a test and the first popeye cartoon is actually a betty Boop cartoon i mean it's a popeye cartoon but it says right at the top you know betty Boop cartoon and then the title is you know popeye the sailor that's technically popeye number one but when they finally convinced the Hearst Corporation to go ahead and give the sign off, in the original contract, it states that after the last Popeye cartoon in the original series was released, and once it was done, and once it ran in the theaters, every single negative, every single copy of every Popeye cartoon ever made was to be destroyed. Which is insane to think about, but then, wow! But then somebody at Paramount and King Features was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute! You know, this is 1957. There's this new technology called television. We better save these <laughs> so we can." You know, play them to a whole new audience. That's exactly what they did. They saved all those cartoons. They renegotiated uh, the contract, and King Features was like, "Okay, well, we're not going to destroy them after all. We're going to go ahead and put them into reruns on television." And then that prompted the huge Popeye boom that we got in the nineteen sixties. And then
0: which which comes back to Chucky e. Chicken how?
1: Well, because Chucky e. Chicken, um, a lot of the I'm thankful that these uh, just because the, the, the comedy from the 1930s shorts um, and just the, the way that the characters are stylized, the way that they were drawn, the way that they were, are created is very much in that vein. Uh, yeah, The cartoons themselves were not made for children. They were made uh, by the animators for themselves. They did yeah. what was funny. They did what they felt was best for the character. Um, so our direction currently with the Chucky show is, it's not even going to be like a show. Basically, what it is, it's our way of. <laughs> <laughs> I know that doesn't it's, make sense, but I'll, I'll explain.
0: Are you going down the Seinfeld thing? It's a show about nothing.
1: No, I wish. I, I wish <laughs> <I'm a German laughs>
0: Seinfeld. Maybe it's a it. show that's not a show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all I'm saying is, you know. Yeah. Just What's the
0: head deal? Head out,
1: you know. And, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, don't,
1: don't make me into a bee. That's all I ask. No high five. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> um, so we're trying to, in a very bizarre way, recreate the idea of the theatrical short. Um, cartoons today are very stuck in what I like to call, it, 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 what everybody calls situational comedies. You know, you yeah. think of Family Guy, you think of The Simpsons and South Park and even modern shows like Steven Universe and uh, Star vs. The Forces of Evil, um, you know, He-Man and She-Ra, that whole new thing. They're all in their own little worlds. They have these prolonged stories and, you know, overarching canons. And, and that's fine. And that's that's OK. If you like lore, if you like all the deep stuff, that's cool. But the cartoons that, I'm gro- that I grew up with, no more, you know, there's a, a beautiful line uh, in, in Tiny Toon Adventures, one episode, where Daffy, th- they were judging a, a, um, a, um, a film festival that all the kids put their own cartoons in that they made over class. And Porky and, and Bugs, Daffy and Porky were the judges. And poor Porky and Daffy are begging Bugs to stop the, you know, to stop the show because it's just gotten so terrible. And Daffy says, you know, this beautiful thing. It's like, you know, when we, when it comes to art, to cartoons, us to old timers only have a seven minute attention span. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: that was so it's great. so
1: true, you know, I mean, and, and even today, I mean, I don't think folks will, you know, want to click on a cartoon for any or on a video on YouTube for any more than 10 seconds and you can thank Vine for that, you know, that whole instantaneous kind of content flow. Um, but anyway, to get yeah. away from that. So Chucky e. Chuck and is planned to be very much in the vein of the classic cartoons. They tell different stories. Um, we tell stories about the characters themselves. We also t- uh, retell stories like classic tales and folklore, and um, you know traditional stories. Um, you know, kind of pulling the Disney and you know going public domain. Um, and then uh, what I like to do is I'd eventually like to do musical cartoons because that was a big part well, of very the cool as well. Yeah, you know.
0: Can you do me a favor? Can you adjust your camera just a little bit? Because you're. It looks like you're cr- the I'm missing the top of your head. Oh, sure. On my end, yeah. There we go. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Look at that. Look, so handsome.
1: She... Yep.
0: Look, ma. <laughs> Look,
1: ma. No hair. <laughs> she already. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, do you? Can you try? The this is an experiment, by the way. Episode one. We have no idea what we're doing we haven't even we haven't even introduced me uh my name is brian finley uh i'm an animator i uh, been in it for about 20 years um and worked for studios on all kinds of different things and uh just like mike here i'm trying to produce and sell my own uh ip intellectual property And no idea how to go about doing it, really, because the rules are changing daily out there in accordance to social media, what's trending, what's not, what the new hot platform is and what isn't. So, so yeah, okay, we got my introduction out of the way uh, halfway through the podcast. Awesome. We prepared.
1: I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) But, uh, hey, it's my fault. Um, yeah. Can true. you try? Yeah, it's totally my fault, not your fault. Um, can we try doing a screen share where maybe you can show us some of the stuff you were talking about? Yep. There we go. Look at that. All
1: right. Yeah. So, as you Beautiful. can tell by the date right there, 2008, this is the very first drawing, the very first model sheet of Chuck E. Chicken ever. Right. He has changed quite a bit. <laughs>
0: yeah there there's been a lot (laughs) a lot of changes a lot so you got rid of the wings yes replaced them with hands and arms yes yeah Um, what what else have you done
1: oh yeah his um well uh for example his uh i don't know if you can still see this or not i hope he yeah um his comb was much smaller um yeah they also turned with his body instead of being you know flat uh, yeah, like uh, like Mickey's uh, uh, ears. Yeah. I gave him these little wing-a-ding things on his uh, neck because they thought, oh hey, a lot of the classic cartoon chickens of the 20s had that. So I figured, oh, I better give it with Chucky. But even here you can tell like I was all about trying to capture the personality and of course you got the basics falling in love, confused, scared, angry, you know, uh, you know, panicked. Uh, how many heads tall he is back then, I think he was about four. Um, and yeah, the turnaround. So, this was the very first version of Chucky that I did for, um, you know, forever, you know. And I was so proud of it that I eventually did the very first. Uh, this is this is a a legit title card that I had uh, planned. This is all drawn. Uh, on paper and scanned to the computer. As you can even tell by the coloring, this was felt tip marker. Um, and this was one of the original. So retro. Very retro. This was straight yeah. up inspired by the Oswald, the lucky rabbit um, opening cards. Um, Cause he had all of his characters all over the place and he was on the side, you know, waving hello to the audience. And then it said, you know, Oswald in whatever the title, of the cartoon. And, um, I, I look back at this and I say, wow, this is a great start, but it's not quite where I want it to be. Um, so mm-hmm. then I did another one. And this was the one that, um, not this one in particular, I changed it a little bit more, but this got a lot closer. And if this reminds anybody of anything, this was the early Mickey Mouse design. <laughs> it went from Oswald to Mickey, where right. it's, it's a homage to what you saw in the opening of Steamboat Willie, which everybody yeah. kind of does today. Um, yeah. this was the Tommy Turkey apartment coop. As I said, you got door number one, door number two, door number three. And then here in his little house to chipmunk lived in the tree. Very, very basic stuff. I look at this today. I mean, it was so bad. I didn't even color everything. in. All the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was just learning the tools. I was learning Photoshop again, all of this drawn in on paper, um, I'm I'm, I'm kind of mad because I saved it all on one layer and I I, I didn't realize about layers.
0: At hey, the time. we're all guilty of doing that early on. Yeah, flattening layers and yeah.
1: Because yeah. now I can't go back. I mean, thank God I have the original uh, drawing. I kept all my artwork. I kept all my drawings on paper. Um, yeah. So now I can logistically scan this bad boy back in and try again.
0: But today though, like if it was me, I would just trace over all that. Right. And on, on layers in Photoshop with the Wacom.
1: Yeah. That is, and- or
0: Wacom. I don't know how you're supposed to say it.
1: I don't, I don't know. I just. My, my
0: whole career was Wacom. Every studio said it Wacom. And then in the last two years, I'm hearing it's Wacom. Right. So I don't know.
1: Um- but uh, yeah, so um, I guess I can show you a little bit here. So Chucky went through a, a big transformation in around 2009.
0: So this was, yeah, look at that. yeah, very cool.
1: Thank you. So again, yeah. this was when I was starting to really think about like what kind of uh, how I wanted the animators you know to draw him, uh, starting to kind of think of that mindset of uh, you know what would um, you know if I were gonna have somebody, draw the character, how do I want him to look and how do I want him to, to draw? So this was the first time that I started to do that. Uh, again, I look at this and I kind of cringe because that's not at all. I mean, even this is wrong. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but this was really kind of, I mean, even here, just I'm like, oh, God, like, no, I what am I doing? I think the only thing that fits still is the, uh, the you know, this comb stays flat in the face on the side. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And even the comb is wrong because instead of two, it's just one piece. Uh, but yeah. uh, all the characters went through this, so I'm going to show you this as well. And again, I'm sorry if you want me to show something else I can, but...
0: Uh, no, no. What It's your, your dance.
1: <laughs> it's my part. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. Um, and I don't know if any of this is usable, but you're more than welcome uh, to, to do with it what you will. Uh, you know what? Let me do this. I will show you the first lineup here. Uh, see, these are the original folders that I had. Um, okay, here we go. So we'll go, we'll start with this one here. So this is the first lineup for the, the characters. Now, uh, technically, it's the second. The very first one, I don't know what happened. I can't find it for the life of me. And I'm really kind of mad about that. I lost it years and years ago. But this is mm-hmm. the first one that I, uh, you know, I still use, I guess, as the official first cast. You got Chucky, you got Choo Choo Monk, Louie Loon, Freddie Fox, Tommy Turkey, and then Chelsea was named Helen Hen initially back mm-hmm. in the old days. Um, that changed around 2015 when i rediscovered Chuck E. cheese and helen henny and I'm like uh uh-uh, oh better <laughs> better make some changes here um, yeah but even then that uh when in 20 in, two, in 2009 oh my god how okay um, what happened here oh here we go uh, okay so then in 20 in 2009 i did another one with the main cast and i think this is a lot better like, this is when I was really starting to get the hang of like coloring the characters online, uh, on, you know, in the computer, um, mm-hmm. really figuring out like scanning things big. Um, although this, oh, this is not scanned in big for some reason. Um, okay. Way to go, Cook. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, again kind of changing the geometry a little bit giving them hands instead and, and arms instead of you know yeah and- but
0: see even with this low res image you could bring that into tomb boom and trace off each body part layered and do your character rig uh very easily with this
1: oh we don't do character rigs there no
0: but i'm just saying as as an option right because uh, you're gonna run out of animators very soon, I think, that have any idea of how to animate on paper.
1: Well, then we will teach them.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank God for that.
1: So that's 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 the point of starting the studio and keeping it this way because I, I am very much a firm believer. I mean, if, you know, the, the the Disney Animation Department still has an ink and paint department where they still ink and paint on cells. And I think that, you know, Disney should not be the only ones who are holding on to these traditions. I think it's important that people remember uh, these uh, traditions and keep this amazing art form alive. We still have painters. We still have people who um, make films on film. No reason why we can't have people animate on paper is my uh, thought on it. But
0: well, let me show you this. So go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Oh. Um, so let me go ahead and show you this. So this was um, 2012, Ooh, 2011, 2012. This was when I decided to start putting the characters in color and giving them even more personality. I mean, this was a very, very, very first time uh, trying to put the characters in color. Um, again, Helen had the beach blonde hair and she had the sundress and Freddie Fox was straight up Br'er Fox. I mean, I, I look back at it now and I kind of shook my head a little bit, um, but I, I loved that character so much. I was like, I want to put him in a cartoon. Thank God I didn't, But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and thank God that we were able to fix him and make him better. Um, Louis, you know, kind of looks more like a hipster <laughs> than he does a surfer, uh, but that's okay. I think Tommy and Chucky and Chew were the only ones who kind of, Evolved unscathed for the time, yeah. which was which was great. Um, and then I will show you. Um, I think it's important for the audience to to for them to see this. This is this was the the previous uh, full cast lineup here that I'm about to show you here. Uh, cool. This is this There's yeah. You. This is where it gets a little crazy. Um, here we go. So these were all, uh, you know, come 20.
0: Wow. Can you zoom in on the top left and then sort of sure. scroll sure. a bit? Yeah. yeah.
1: So, of course, we got Chucky and then we have Chelsea Chicken. Chew Choo Chipmunk Choo was still, you know, still around. And then we got Johnny, yeah. Jack Rabbit, Janice Jack Rabbit, Louie Loon, Margarita McCaw, her daughter, Annalisa McCaw. You got Tommy Turkey, uh, just kind of going from right to left. You got Sergeant McBowser. Uh, Mama Donna, who became Char- Char- uh, Charlotte Chicken, Don Julio Rooster, Ashley Jackrabbit, Perry Keat, Davy Daug, Raleo okay. Rooster, uh, and then down here you got Mayor Downey Feather, Captain Peter Pelican- uh, Pelicani, uh, the Badgers, Barry and Bernie, Luca Bacon, Freddie Fox, and then Bruno Bronco, a.k.a. the Godfather, and that's not even all of them. So yeah, yeah. so as you can see, it was quite an extensive cast, and that was, um, again, just the outpouring of years and years and years of coming up with different characters, um, you know, and finally making them their final forms, I guess you could say. Yeah. Recently, when we came, when it came time to make the decision to change it from being uh, based in Featherton, USA, uh, which I'll show you. this amazing uh, piece of artwork done by one of our artists, Inca Van Kallen, who did this beautiful uh, portrait of Featherton and what it would have looked like. Uh, okay, here we go. I think this one will work. So yeah, that was or that was the original Featherton, I, 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 one of them anyway. So. Yeah. I mean, it was supposed to be... beautiful. Movie. Yeah, very beautiful. The only yeah. problem was that it, it just it didn't fit what we were trying to do with the show anymore. We didn't want people to be stuck in this town forever, you know?
0: Yeah, because you were sort of working your way into a Garfield and Friends scenario. Yes. Y- you know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, you know, I, which is fine, but you would be stuck to that situational uh approach that you know isn't quite what you're going for so right i get it
1: so we uh over the course of probably a month or so and th- th- it also was influenced by um a wonderful gentleman who uh, is a part of the project um i haven't heard from him in a little bit but hopefully we'll be reconnecting fairly soon and then i can officially yak and say who his name is but Right now, I'm still going to keep that on the down low. But uh, after conversations with him, this is it. <laughs> These are all the characters that we now that have made the cut and are yeah. still a part of the show. Of course, you got Chucky and Chelsea. You got a newly designed Louis that harkens back to his original look. Margarita mm-hmm. McCall looks a little different. Um, Johnny and Janice. wait
0: a minute go back to louis is that after you and i were talking yes because okay that because that's great i think the uh the dark colors and stuff on on the body i don't know he looks simpler and more streamlined
1: yeah i think so too and not only that but we got rid of his hair which a lot of people you know because he he'd had this hair probably for about Five years at this yeah, point. Yeah, that
0: that's what it is. Without the hair, he looks more loon-like. Yeah. Because they they are a very slick bird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Thank you. And then Margarita yeah. McCall, we kind of made her a Brazilian squidward. <laughs> so she's kind of right. snooty, thinks she's better than everybody. Um, you know, we really kind of, you know, gave her some fun flaws, as we did all the characters, which I think will help people fall in love with them even more. Janice, um, we changed her quite a bit. Um, I didn't like the way that her original design was. So I thought, you know what, Ashley is a pretty cute little bunny. Let's age her up and let's change her and let's make her Janice. And then It just kind of fit because Janice is now more of a thespian. She loves playing the damsel in distress. She loves all the romantic parts. She's just this cute, cuddly little thing. But if you don't Mm -hmm. get her what she wants, she will rip you a new one. (laughs) So she's kind of like Hello Kitty meets Darla from Cats Don't Dance. Right. So. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the two villains that made it, Freddie Fox, he still made the cut because, you know, I love Freddie. And Luca Bacon, we turned Freddie last uh, incarnation, we turned him into a gangster, which I just love this design, and it just works so well. Luca Bacon, we made him more kind of like a, um, a, a uh, an Oliver Hardy kind of character. Mm-hmm. And then Tommy Jerky... We got a lot of complaints about him because he looked like a heavy, but he was really a bad guy. So this time around, we were just like, screw it. Let's just go all the way with it. And we made him a bad guy. And yeah. I'm really happy with how he turned out. He's kind of like a uh, Foghorn Lakehorn meets Peg Lake Pete and Bluto. And uh, right. I, I think he's it's there's a lot of potential that you can do with these characters. And I love how they turned out. I think that these guys yeah. are... Are really going to be the next uh, evolution of stars, and uh, they're they're going to they're, they're so perfectly cast. I mean, you got
0: well. There's definitely a huge amount of workload that you've just shown to every pe- everybody, and the general public has, you know, it's hard to understand unless you're in it how much work this is because any one of these uh, designs that you've shown is, uh, you know, it, it's not that you sat down and drew exactly that. There, there are many attempts over and over and over. Hey, uh, you try this, you try that, and, and then you get to the point where you're like, hey, yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Mm-hmm. So you did that for each one, right? And a few times over because every evolution requires another design Um, phase or workshop. You know, you got to put them through the machine again and see what comes out the other side. So that's a huge amount of work. I know when I was uh, designing Mimsy and Dusty um, it was, I found it very hard to find the cute factor I wanted with the um, I wanted them to move almost like I wanted them to have that plushy look and be super cute. And I wanted them to move like rabbits, uh, but very stretchy, squashy. So it, it, was, it was a lot of drawing of various attempts that, that didn't work of shape language uh, before I found something that I felt worked pretty good, mm-hmm. and we're actually going to be tweaking their design again as we model them in three D. Okay. Um, which is, you know, that that's always that's always a, a whole different process, taking two D sketches into a three D uh, environment, whether it's a character or a world or whatever. I just imagine modeling Featherton in 3d i mean that would be a massive map
1: i actually had somebody on facebook ask me today is chucky chicken ever going to 3d and i said no uh, he is yeah. a he is a traditional hand-drawn character yeah. i don't um i don't want him to go 3d i mean the only thing yeah. that i would do would um i'd probably make like 3d models for um maquettes or statues or something like that i mean that probably mm-hmm. be the only yeah. thing, but." Um, I mean, there's a reason why I I tried it, actually. There's one short that I did in college with a 3D Chucky Chicken. And uh, I mean, it could have been my uh, my experience as a 2D ar- as a 3D artist, you know, and my lacking of understanding the the technical aspects of it. Um, but it didn't quite turn out as well as I wanted to. I tried to do the old Marx Brother routine where Chucky was walking in front of a mirror. And there was another Chucky, uh, and you know they were doing the same thing. And the main Chucky did a spin, and the other one just kind of like, oh, you know,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. quite
1: work out. Um, and it's something that I t- and it just kind of t- uh, taught me a lesson that I teach now to my artists and anybody who is interested in doing animation. Technology will always evolve. It will always change. If you think you're going to be able to come and work for somebody or work with somebody, and say, "Oh, I know how to do Adobe Premiere, After Effects. I know how to, you know, I know how to do Toon Boom. I know how to do 3D Studio Max. I can model all this stuff. You know, I know all the ins and outs of the program. I can, I know the algorithm. Da 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 da." That's great. What do you know about the actual principles of animation? How do you know? Do you know how to make a ball bounce? You know, do you know how, can you do it on paper? You know, do you know how to apply drawings to film time? Do you know what 24 frames per second means? Do you understand, um, you know, uh, exaggeration? Do you understand overthrow uh, overshoot and uh, follow through, you know,
0: well, I mean, one one of the things that has always been proven true from my experience, and I, I'm just speaking about myself here, 2D artists who have transitioned to 3D make better 3D artists. That That's always proven true oh, yeah. for, from what I've seen.
1: Look at Genndy Tartakovsky. He's the best example but, of
0: that. Well, there's many examples. I, I mean there are 3d artists out there that create amazing work that have no idea how to draw um but when you put their stuff up against uh somebody who can create amazing work in 3d but they have a background in 2d their stuff tends to have an extra punch to it Mm -hmm. there's a better understanding of exaggeration a better understanding of of timing and reaction and all, all these things, you know, the, the uh, animator in Maya who will spend a lot of time in the graph editor is that that's an approach that'll work. But from what I've seen, the animator who will sit down and focus on the, keys and the, and the follow through and all that on the timeline and really play with the controls ma- manually and not via the graph editor uh, because of that 2D background, you know, that, that animation always feels better to me when I'm watching it. Maybe I'm biased because my background is 2D. Um, I don't think and you're I, biased.
1: I think that's very, very, true i mean and you can look and see um you know for example um a bug's life and pixar or uh, you know yeah. a bug's life and uh ants you know uh two different companies uh very similar stories you know very similar uh characters but which one do you remember most do you remember ants or do you remember bugs life do you remember no it's
0: life? it's true now both had amazing two D artists working on them. As a matter of fact, the the art of for ants is fantastic. There's a lot of great artwork in there, two D artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're you're right. When the two D artists uh, or the the artist that sits down with the two D background and they start crunching away on their workload, there is a different understanding there. Mm-hmm. Um, then just somebody who's never taken a drawing class, but went to a college that taught 3d animation that didn't have a drawing, uh, component at all. And they, they graduated, but they're amazing animators. Uh, a lot of those animators tend to do really well in visual effects or motion capture kind of stuff right. where it's very technical. Right um and the need to understand things from the 12 principles isn't isn't as immediate as character acting you, you know versus um you know a volcano erupting or you know what whatever so i i've but i mean I I was taught by somebody who could animate right in a graph editor and it looked like it was done by a 2D person. I am talking would never touch the controls uh, for, for the rig character. Just move the little things around in the graph editor to pose the character and that's how he animated And it looked amazing. So I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, think of it this way. I mean, if you had to, um, <laughs> all the computers today uh, blew up. And they, they just, I mean, heaven forbid, and we had no access to today's technology. All of those guys would be out of work. It's But then the 2D animators will come back because they will know how to draw a character. I mean, because that's Art, you know, and yeah. you can. And I, I'm, again, I may be biased too. I mean, I I, I think for me, there's. I think I think we shows. are biased. There's beautiful. I mean, the Disney stuff, um, Tangled and Frozen and um, Big Hero Six, Moana, all of the modern, you know, Disney stuff that has come out, um, in animation, like from the animation studios, is yeah. beautiful, you know, and it's got that. It's got that bit of hand-drawn magic to it, and I think that's because a lot of the old guard were brought in to help do the character designs. Um, You know, Rapunzel from Tangled was designed by Glen Keane, you know, who did Beast. He did Ariel. He did Aladdin. He, you know, he... Well,
0: not only that, I mean, Glen Keane would sit and draw over top of a 3D scene, how the pose could be better Mm -hmm. or how the action could be improved. He would, they developed a a software plugin for their, um, animation software where Glen King could just sit down and draw right over top of the scene frame by frame and correct the animation, which taught the animators how to exaggerate more, how to push things to that extra level, that they weren't quite getting. And that was all from Glenn's 2D background. Now, that being said, I mean, Glenn Keane was taught by, you know, the nine old men and worked on, I mean, he really paid his dues. I I mean, worked on some of of the best, right? Uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, uh, some of the best characters, some of the hardest characters Mm -hmm. to animate. Some of the most expressive. He wasn't... uh, He wasn't a draftsman the way Milt Call was. He was an emotional animator, and his drawings reflect that, the choice in posing, the choice in acting, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. These are what come across uh, when you've studied things from a very... When you study from a very analog point of view, where you don't have a lot of digital cheats to auto-do things for you, it requires you to sharpen skills that like maybe now today an animator would put a little more faith in a computer to auto-tween um, two keys, you know, from point A to point B or that type of thing. Uh, they didn't have that back then. So, no, they didn't. L- like oh. you said, when you have that old guard ushering in uh, the the new talent who does have all those tools, uh, you know, they've... They are learning how to make those tools work for them, but in a way that is still on the, on the shoulders of yesteryear's techniques, right?
1: Right. And here's the uh, sad thing. Ideally. You know, here's something that here's something to think about. You know. Yeah. We all know, Milt Call. We all know Frank Thomas, Ollie Johnston, Mark Davis, the nine old men. You know, uh, Ward Kimball. Um, you know, John Loudsberry, Willie Reitherman. You know, um, and then from that guard, you know, we got the, the guard that we grew up with. You got Eric Goldberg. You got uh, Richard Williams. You got Glenn Keane, Andreas Deja, uh, Randy Baxter. Um, you got um, David Perixma. You got, um, oh, my gosh, I, I know I'm, um, I'm missing quite a few um, and
0: even well, there's there's many of them. Um, you know, Ken is it Ken Duncan, right? Right., uh, John Lounsbury, or no, sorry, John Pomeroy, who I just had as a guest on the other podcast drawn to it, right. um, talking about his experience being trained by Frank Thomas and deciding to leave Disney with Don Bluth and other artists, and they work at a Don Bluth's garage, and he was talking about uh, what that really was, was they were learning what the nine old men were teaching them at a, rapid, a more rapid pace, because it was like juice concentrate, you know what I mean? Wow. They, they were all these mega talented artists in this tiny garage just chewing up footage Just line mileage, just, you know, trying and failing trying and failing at a speed that was just mind boggling. Relying on each other to sharpen one another. And they were also learning the business, which is what you and I are trying to do now from a a modern point of view. Right. Um, We are trying to learn the business of, okay, here's my idea. How do I get funding for it? How do I develop it to be uh, palatable for the audience today? And how do I get it distributed? How do, how do people see what I've, what I've created? Okay. you know? And those are the three main things I'm hoping to get out of this podcast, uh, Producers Without a Clue, because as the title says, I really have no idea on how to go about achieving those. I used to think I did because I did come very close around 2003 to selling my own show. I had a show optioned and uh, well, did a pilot for it and that type of thing. But uh, it didn't go anywhere after that. So, But the problem is what worked then does not work now. Just not even close. Right. Even a Bible, like a Bible today for a show Versus back then, way different.
1: And that's so, what I want to learn, too. I want to learn how they did it back then so that way I can... Because here's here's the beautiful part about not having a clue, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's something that even, you know, it may be a different industry, but it was the same guy. Walt Disney was perfect at finding guys who legit didn't have a clue how to do what they were brought on to do, but they still did magic and they still built these amazing things. Walt pulled all of his guys uh, from animation in the 1950s and said, I'm building a theme park. I don't know how to build a theme park. I've never done one of these before. Neither have you guys, but you know how the world works because you have seen, you, you have created beautiful worlds in all of our films. So I will find the guys to actually physically build the stuff, but I need you guys to help design it. I need you guys to use those talents that I've given you and create the happiest place on earth. And 65 years later, when it reopens, we will be going back to Disneyland because that was the, the, the fruit of people who legit had no clue how it was going to work. Yeah. And and even those people who, I think the people who don't know how to do something, but they learn how to do it in the process, they have the most passion and they have the most love because it's like, oh my gosh.
0: I, I agree with you 100, 150% on that. There is something magical about the naivete, am I pronouncing that? Naive, naiv- yes, naivete, yeah naive naive i can't pronounce i can't speak words well. <laughs> no nah. um there there is something magical about a person who doesn't have a clue but fights to figure it out as they go or but the finding their
1: the, own way and making something yeah brand new because here's the yeah again i'm gonna go back to walt and I, that'll happen a lot i mean it's the As we all know from the podcast, I have Asperger's, so Walt is my thing I focus on. Sorry.
0: (laughs) but Hey, listen, you could have worse heroes, you know what I mean? I mean,
1: I could love Stalin.
0: (laughs) And this would be a different type of podcast. I'm not sure I'd be here.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: (laughs) But I mean, Walt Disney grew. I
0: could love Stalin. Wow, way to jump to it. (laughs)
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, there we go. We gotta edit that. Go,
0: go, ahead. Continue. i sorry to interrupt it's you.
1: <laughs> Stop um, on. you know, Walt Disney grew up in the in the teens, and he grew up literally when film was just starting. You know, he got to see the George Melies. He got to see um all of the um you know the the Blackstone, the Windsor Mackays. He got to see um all of the you know um, all of the 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 movies that were coming out from the new Universal City uh shorts and the Fox in the 20th centuries and the you know all of these different movie houses. They didn't have sound. Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't have color. The only thing that they did was they they had you know these motion picture palaces.
0: Oh wait wait a second I I totally forgot what time is it.
1: Oh it's six twenty two.
0: What, I'm two hours ahead of you. Yes. 6:20 to seven twenty eight twenty two. Okay. I got to cut in 25. I have a hard out in 25 minutes. Oh, I got to go pick up my son. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no worries. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, but, Continue. And, and, sorry. Most, short, he basically yeah. said: you know, no cartoon really has sound that works. I'm going to make cartoons that have sound. No cartoons really have color. I'm going to make cartoons that have color. Everyone says that feature films aren't going to work. I'm going to make Snow White and blow Hollywood history on its ass. And that's exactly what he did. He didn't care what people told him. He was like, you know, if they're like, mice don't talk. Mine does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. And much like you focus on Walt Disney, I've, I've, you know, I think Walt Disney has a special place in my heart as well, especially because my own grandfather reminds me of Walt Disney very much. Um, but my modern heroes that I look up to to continue trying are uh, Todd McFarlane. Uh, I do look up to Don Bluth in terms of the balls it took to just go out there and say I'm gonna directly compete with Disney and make films and he pretty much did it with very little knowledge of how to go about doing it in the beginning um I mean people you say what you want about Disney films say what you want about Don Blue films I'm talking about the actual things they accomplished um, but I keep going back to Todd McFarlane because I relate to his story very much in terms of you are not really a terrific employee because, you know, you're so caught up in how you the what if in your own head, right? When you're drawing something, what if this, what if that, and you're being stifled by upper management, right? Oh, yeah. And so to break away and start your own thing during a time when you know the odds are really against you because the industry doesn't support it um and and things just aren't right timing wise in a lot of ways but yet they're kind of perfect timing be- just because of all that because the timing is not right the timing is perfect kind of it's a paradox um and I kind of feel like that's where we're at now with uh content Creators, the oversaturation sort of is is forcing the the it is driving more and more and more content. Right, eventually, the really awesome stuff has to break through.
1: Right, I, I will never so forget, just real quick one one, one yeah. very quick story. I will never forget a year ago. Um, in, in February, I, I had been working for um, a delivery company, selling, uh, you know um, delivering water heaters. And I got fired from that job, and I was devastated. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And my sister actually helped me get a job at a, a, a car dealership. Mm-hmm. The hours were terrible. I had to be there at 630 in the morning, and then I got off at 530. I had an hour break every day. Um, but it was Monday through Thursday, and then I got Friday through Sunday off. Terrible schedule, but I did it anyway. I did that Mm -hmm. for six months. And every day during those six months, I was coming up and racking my idea for brains, for ideas, for, for new content. As soon as I came up with Grim Grinning Giblets, I wrote the script, I started on the storyboards, the dealership left, uh, laid me off from that day on. I had not worked for anybody else except myself. It was that day where I was just like, you know what? I'm not, I am too, I, I can't work for anybody else. I need to work for me. And I have always, I've always heard that, um, You know, if if the things you want in life, the best things are the hardest to go and get, you know? So if I want, you know, the, I don't want to say the accolades, you know, um, but if I want the success that I I want with my characters, I couldn't be doing a nine to five. I had to go and do my own thing. And as scary as it is, and I'll tell you what, it all happened at just the right time. Because if it was not for COVID-19, I probably would be working a nine-to-five job. I probably would be doing something different, you know? But thank God that I took the chances that I did. I moved out to Davenport, Iowa from Chicago. um, And here I am. And this year has been the most amount of growth that the series has had in a very long time. and
0: uh, Which is a great segue into... Uh, So we're going to do this podcast weekly is what we're hoping for, right? Right. And I'm hoping that uh, you feel the same as me, that the purpose of the podcast is to both uh, for you and I to educate ourselves on how to be a producer and get our stuff to market, Mm -hmm. but also to encourage each other, motivate each other, and uh, cheer each other on. Um, so, and, but also to update the audience week to week on what's new in the hopper for each of us. Yes. So in five minutes or less, what is currently in the hopper for you and the production pipeline and, uh, take it away.
1: Well, it's ironic that we set the date for this to be December 15th, because by the time this first episode goes out, The next Chucky Chicken cartoon will be out that we're working on right now, which is uh, Carolers a Clucking, A Chucky Chicken Christmas. It's our very first Christmas episode. Um, I am very excited to show you concept art. I'm very excited to show you storyboards. We're going to hopefully have all the boards done by this Saturday so then we can go right into production this upcoming week.
0: So oh cool. Yes. Will you show a portion of the the animatic for next week's episode?
1: I will do my best. Yes.
0: Okay, cool. or even boards. I mean, whatever you have, anything would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that that's great. Um, I'm working with a team of artists on Mimsy and Dusty and what we're currently working on right now, I'm doing boards and animatic. And we have an artist uh, named Matt who is working on the rigging structure because we really want the characters to have a real stretchy, squashy, uh, pliable feel to them. Right. Not not goopy, but like uh, soft, plushy, bouncy rabbits, right? Right. so, and then we have uh, Amber and Courtney, who Amber is working on modeling the world, uh, vegetation, and uh, the, the main areas of the world that apply for this uh, 11 minute pilot. Courtney is working on modeling the airship and the house for Mimsy and Dusty. I'm not sure what will be available to show for next week's podcast, but whatever it is, I will have it ready.
1: That's exciting. So,
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I love getting stuff in from them and just like, wow, because I know how I would do it, right? When I send out the task, I know I have an expectation in my head, but it always comes back better because when you get – when you get an idea, like a base level idea. So I always give them a little bit of art direction and then they put their magic on top of it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's always better than something I would have come up with always.
1: Super quick story on that point. When we were doing, when we were doing grim grinning giblets, um, it was the first time that I was working with the amazing Vangalan sisters, Laura and Imka, who are still with me today. Um, I I told them what I wanted to do, and Imka is our background designer, one of them. And I said, okay, Imka, I want you to design the mansion, and I want it to look like the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. Um, And uh, I said, so I need you to go and look and figure out how you would turn a barn into the Haunted Mansion. And in my mind, I'm thinking the one in California. And I'm thinking, okay, um, you know, Annabella Mansion, Pillars you know, cupola, you know, kind of, you know, fancy southern kind of looking uh, mansion, you know, like the one. Yeah. Disney. Well, she comes in with this um, almost Bates Motel looking kind of design, almost Western. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not at all what I was expecting. I'm like, Inca, are you sure that you looked at at, at, at the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland? And she says, yeah, I went to Disneyland, you know, myself not too long ago. And I, I went on on the ride and I looked and I saw what the mansion looked like. The girl lives in, 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 uh, in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> and then it hit me. She looked at Phantom Manor at Disneyland Paris. I didn't right. specify which Disneyland I wanted her to look at. So she went to right. her own. And I laughed out out. I laughed out loud. And she's like, "Do you want me to redo it?" I said, "Absolutely not. We are going to keep it this way because number one, um, it doesn't look like anything in the states, so it looks completely original. And number two, it'll be a fun Easter egg for people who watch it overseas. Yeah. So they'll go. Oh, yeah. It
0: it looks really cool. Yeah. In the cartoon. So yeah. she
1: did a fantastic job, and that that was just a, a, an example of. You know, I was thinking one thing, but then she came and blew my expectations, and I'm so thankful that she did. So she, yeah, she challenged me, and it worked.
0: Yeah, when when you give artists room to flex their creative muscle, so they don't feel like a monkey pushing a pencil, right? Uh, you're gonna get great stuff, and I, I firmly believe because I I love directing, love it. And any chance I get to direct is like a dream come true for me. Oh, yeah. But I always try to make sure that I'm taking into consideration the artist's passion about their craft. And the more I tell them exactly what to do, the more I'm eating away at that passion. Right. So I have to plant seeds of what I want and then however they nurture and grow those uh, with a little bit of guidance, I I always tend to use tomato plants as my metaphor because uh, a planter will tend to put like a stick in for them to grow up and wrap around, but has no control over where the tomatoes are going to appear, how how many leaves here and and how many curls, are, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. So there, there's a little bit of guidance to make sure that it's all working, but not. I I think the best directors, the ones I've worked for, have always been the least um, control control freakish. If if that makes sense. Yeah. Th- With an animation, and they get the best results.
1: I, I agree to a point. I think that it is important that they have the the room to breathe. Um, I think that for the longest time, I was all about, you know, we got to get it done. We got to get it done yesterday. So go, 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 go. burnt yeah. you out. I can't work like that anymore. And besides, by doing yeah. it that way, the work doesn't look that good. It looks like garbage if you rush it. So yeah. for me, like, uh, for example, we have one cartoon that will be coming on in a couple of days. a very, very short little thing for Halloween. And uh, we started it back in September. And I said, okay, here's the deal. As long as it's done by uh, October thirty first, I'm okay. You know, you gotta get it done.
0: Well, that that's that's a lot of freedom there. (laughs) It it is a balance, you know. You don't want to give total freedom because you want your vision to come through, right? But you got to give enough freedom that their passion burns hot.
1: But the good, but the beautiful thing about them is that they are so passionate about it. And yeah. they, would, yeah. they constantly, every morning, Michael, look at what I did. Mike, check out this scene. Mike, what do you think of this? Oh, Mike,
0: that's fantastic.
1: That? And I'm just yeah. like, oh, I love this. I love that. I hate this. Why do I hate this? You know? And yeah. It's like, you know, fix this, you know, and then I would go, and what I like to do, and we can talk about this next time because I know you're pressed for time, but um, what I do is when somebody sends me uh, a clip, I'll go into Toon Boom or into Photoshop, and I'll Uh, take like snapshots of certain drawings and likely I'll go ahead and draw the fixes on it and say this is what you need to fix. Oh,
0: for sure. Yeah. Draw overs. Yeah. And they appreciate that.
1: They love that because it's like they want to be close to to how how Chucky looks because I'm all about being a model. You know, the characters need to look like the characters. I mean, yes, there's something to be said for uh, exaggeration in certain poses, but if he's standing still, and there's one frame, I want people to look at, at you know, that every frame could be a promo piece. That's, that's my yeah. that's my take on it. So yeah, I, I help them in that way and they appreciate it. So, yeah. Um, but I'll have that. Well, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was, I was just going to uh, move towards, uh, wrapping that up here. Uh, again, I got that hard out. I got to get out there. But uh, I've really enjoyed this episode. And I think as we go, we'll start tightening it up and really uh, evolve it into a, a really good resource for people who are creating their own thing mm-hmm. to follow us along, learn with us, and also share their experience. Mm-hmm. On this platform, the platform being the podcast, right. um, we've talked already about having creators either call in or be guests and and talk about their own properties and that type of thing. So I'm really excited to get to that point. I think uh, it's going to take us a little bit to get our feet under us, but I really enjoy talking to you about this stuff. And I do feel that we are peas in a pod oh, yeah. in a lot of ways. And, uh, I, you know, I'm really, I'm really thankful you agreed to do this episode and I hope we can keep it going and, uh, really grow it.
1: Oh, we definitely will keep it growing and keep it going. And I'm excited too. Um, I do want to invite, and you can, uh, clip this out if you want, or if you have another email, you can use yours. That's fine with me. But, um, I do invite anybody who is watching this podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on the show, um, whether it be from a creative, a production, a personal standpoint, whatever it is, send your emails to vs.valleystudios at gmail.com and you can uh, be sure you put producers without a clue in the tagline so I know that it's for this show and uh, yes. I'll answer them.
0: Yes, and we will include all that information in the write up under the YouTube video as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as the drawn to it podcast email. So either will work and it's not a competition. If you guys like talking to Michael better by all means, uh, <laughs> you know, it's cause sure. I, Hey, my wife tells me all the time. I can be a bit of a dick.
1: Oh, I get it. Oh so
0: yo, listen, listen, there are issues. Okay. Dr. Phil's uh, on speed dial. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, Anyway, we will include all kinds of contact info and uh, URLs in the write-up, and uh, we will host the episode on the Drawn To It podcast YouTube channel with, under its own sub uh, playlist channel, and uh, we will always have all of Michael's contact information, Valley Studios, which, by the way, he's a co-founder of and has like a title this long, so <laughs> he's an important guy and uh well i um you're the
1: creative chief officer and head of animation and co-founder of a company you, you when you earn that title you want people to know that
0: yeah it just it doesn't fit on a t-shirt really good but you know it's important
1: I'm and uh you know cf
0: wow the ultimate acronym shirt yeah very cool all right sir we will talk next week Sounds
1: good. Thank you, folks, for All right. Too- right. Bye, bye. So <laughs>